0: Hey everybody welcome to Hobbs and Friends episode number 70. I am your host Jason Hobbs and I'm thrilled to already be on the mics again. It was only like a week or so ago and we're back at Gamerhood Studios bringing you another Hobbs and Friends. We got a very special guest with for you as always. I don't know if he may be as well known as many of my guests but that certainly doesn't diminish any in any way how awesome that he is so he is another podcaster and his show is called live from pelham's wasteland he's none other than arlen walker what's up my man i'm much glad to be here that's a pretty big introduction were you surprised
1: I I was a little surprised. You have a lot of guys who have a lot of like publishing credits and things like that, and I've got my Rinky Dink little podcast. It's a little bit of of expansion going on in the introduction compared to some of the people who need all
0: that (laughs) time. I, I don't know if I would ever call your show Rinky Dink. It doesn't seem to give the heady topics justice, my man.
1: Well, that's, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Do you want to say anything? Why don't you, because for some people who may listen to this episode, may not even have never heard of Live from Pelham's Wasteland. You want to give them a po- boilerplate about it?
1: Yeah. So Live from Pelham's Wasteland is the name of both my anchor podcast and my YouTube channel, both of them being basically just a collection of whatever stuff I'm interested in that is generally related to gaming. I do gaming theory stuff. I do some gaming overviews, talk about like games that I'm really interested in or or kind of review stuff. Do some stuff similar to what we're talking about with the Librem Society where I recommend books or say, hey, this is something you should read because it's a really good example of this kind of like a concept in gaming or a, a sort of theme or something like that. And then it's really, it's very off the cuff, rambly. I just talk about stuff that interests me. And if you're interested in those things, you will find it interesting. And if not, you probably won't be interested in it, but that's okay. Cause it's, it's very much just me.
0: I think that's almost any podcast or YouTube channel really. I guess I shouldn't say it. it's definitely what all my stuff is as well. It's mostly me. All right. I, I have, I'm very fortunate of having a lot of people I know or have met in the industry. And then that was enough to introduce me to more and more. And then that just built on that circle of friends. So pretty awesome. Now let's talk about how we know each other. And I think we met playing games with Kevin Madison, the dungeon Muser. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, way back when, two years ago now, we were in that original Ash crew for the Astonishing Swordsman, Sorcerers of Hyperborea Reavers of Tule campaign, and then Hobbs was out and doesn't play that game anymore. That
0: the original game you were in—that was like the prelude to that game, even, right? The,
1: yeah, there was a prelude to that game, and then there's the sort of campaign that's been going for a while now that Kevin runs. And then we connected back up with the AD&D 2nd edition stuff that Kevin mm-hmm. runs now, Night Below and, Legacy like, of the Crystal Shard. And then we've done a, a couple of sort of one-off things together. We did that Mutants and Masterminds game one time, and we did, I think we did a, a Sword and Scoundrel character creation thing where I made you go through character creation without knowing anything about what it, the stuff meant. And
0: mm-hmm. It was uh, awesome. It was- <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so we've done a we've done a couple things together and we're gonna do more stuff together now because we've got this leave society thing that is is coming up
0: that's correct i don't know how many times you can say a Librem society before we actually talk about it but we're gonna hold off a little bit longer because now it's time for the weekly gaming briefly you want to go first
1: sure so i play I haven't made as many sessions as I would like recently just because of some kind of personal health stuff. But I play AD&D 2nd Edition with Kevin Madison of Dungeon Musings and his crew. He runs AD&D 2nd Edition on Wednesday nights and Friday nights and Sunday afternoons and some Saturday mornings. And then I also play in the Men and Sorcerers uh, of Hyper Warrior campaign on the other Saturday mornings. And then there's my stuff that I do, which is I run a game for my, my family. My mother and father and little sister and grandfather all play in an Adventures in Middle Earth 5e game that I run for them. On Thursday nights, and I do what has become a just new Shadow the Demon Lord campaign that I run on alternate Saturdays. We used to play uh, Sword and Scoundrel, which is a Riddle of Steel like it's a, a game. That is has descended from the Riddle of Steel with some changes, some shifting, some of that sort of stuff. But we have shifted to Shadow the Demon Lord. We just did our level zero session this past Saturday, so that was a lot of fun. And then I do a little bit of kind of solo stuff, solo play, like Iron Sworn or some of those other games, just me hanging out, rolling some dice, and telling stories by myself, which is... Uh, fun it's been interesting it's something that i started doing way back at the beginning of the pandemic because i was bored a lot and now i just do a little bit of that on irregular, an irregular schedule but it's it's fun as a way to almost like a creative writing exercise
0: Mm, that's Um, what it seems like when you talk about it that reminds me i think zach pierce and i actually played iron sworn with you once or made characters or something as well
1: yeah yeah we did we did a little bit of iron sworn and that was fun. I wouldn't GM Ironshorn again because there's nothing for the GM to do because it's such a good solo game. Goes through and just tells the story without a GM having to be involved basically at all, which is really good when you're playing solo, but not so much fun when you're the GM and you're sitting there while other people play the
0: game. Yeah, no kidding. And I think uh, a lot of the Hobbs goblins out there would be very happy to learn that first session of the Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign. Was a TPK. It was.
1: Yeah. We I I <laughs> killed off I everybody had multiple characters even, because I was planning on doing a sort of funnel. And then I lost one of the guys had to run about halfway through the session, he had to pick his daughter up from a, a thing. So then I only had two guys left. So I was like, let's lean into the the kind of growing darkness element. And so I added a couple more skeletons to the final encounter and it turned out to be much deadlier than I anticipated. But it was a lot of fun and the guys seemed to enjoy it a lot. And it was a good way to emphasize the kind of dangerous world element of Shadow the Demon Lord, the idea that you, your character is not a superhero. Until they get to like 6th or 7th level, they're very much a a fragile, regular being at 0 or 1st level Mm -hmm. who can be taken down by 2 or 3 skeletons pretty easily.
0: Yeah, I have done a few episodes of Hobbs and Friends about Shadow of the Demon Lord with Kevin Madison and Jared Rasher. So if you want to hear my take on the Shadow of the Demon Lord, hit the backlog, guys. Check it out. Go go look into that. So as previously mentioned, I play in Kevin Madison or the Dungeon Musers 2nd Edition AD&D game on Wednesday, Friday, every other Saturday, and Sunday. That's the Night Below campaign and the Legacy of the Crystal Shard campaign. We've talked about that at length since we're nearing 100 sessions on the Night Below game. And we're going to be playing that tonight at 8 p.m at Dungeon Musers, a channel. So both Arlen and I are in the game. Are you going to play tonight, Arlen? I'm
1: not entirely sure. I had a long day. So Mm. we're going to see how I feel at the end of, if you grill me on Hobbs & Friends, it'll be your fault. We'll see
0: what happens. It's, it's always my fault anyway. (laughs) So I also run two or three old school essential campaigns, one on Tuesday nights, White Sands, and one on Thursday nights, the North March, And then my legendary Kalmata game, which will show up anytime. And I've already ran Kalmata like three or four times in January. So there's been a resurgence in uh, the Kalmata game, which is pretty cool. And then on Sunday mornings, I run a four-hour game of low fantasy gaming called Chronicle of the Cursed Axe. That's a good group. It's what I call my Green River Gamers Association group, which is my family group. But now we also have Jason Weeb's, the zombie cowboy in there, and Sean P. Kelly from Gaming and BS. I think it's because the majority of my family are a bunch of Luddites, and uh, they, they don't want to play online. So there's that. The only other game that I've been playing is another LFG game on Saturday nights with uh, Mr. Mean. You can go check out Mr. Mean on his YouTube channel. We are playing Low Fantasy Gaming. I am one of the players, as well as Nasser, Super Beast 1980, from... Dang it, he just told me last night, or where he lived, or maybe it was Monday night. I don't remember. It's uh, it's not Dubai, though, but it's over by there. So when he's on the show uh, watching, he's very late. And the other two are a couple, a married couple, that are behind the blog... And a YouTube channel Angels Citadel. So you guys should go check those things out. I really enjoy playing games with all three of them. Nasser is really involved in the Gulf Players Association, which is like a huge gaming club in the Middle East. And when I say huge, it's like thousands of people are in it. So... <laughs> It's pretty, pretty cool. I think that's about it. Let's get into everything about you. I'm pretty sure you've listened to Hobbs and Friends before, Arlen. What, what's coming?
1: I've listened a couple times, but my mind is blank right now. That's it? So.
0: You've only listened to two Hobbs and Friends show.
1: That's it. No, I've
0: listened to four or five. I need another guest. Anybody? Any, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Arlen. So it's a segment of the show where we tell uh, our listeners something about ourselves that they don't know. Uh, I didn't do an episode one where I told everyone all about me and what Hobbs and friends was about. I've done it every episode since in this segment. And then hopefully the guest may have something they want to tell about themselves. Like some people talk about their jobs or talk about when they were a professional wrestler or whatever. Cool.
1: Yeah, I can do that. Go ahead. All right. So in college, I went to Rice university and double majored in ancient Mediterranean civilizations and English. And for my sophomore and junior years, I was the only Ancient Mediterranean Civilizations major in the entire school. So Rice is very STEM-focused by itself, so the Humanities departments are pretty small already. And then Ancient Mediterranean Civilizations was a sort of small subset of the Classics department. So I got to be the only one for two years, and then I recruited two other uh, students in my senior year, so I kept the major alive and uh, yeah that was pretty cool i got to they funded me to go to bulgaria and do archaeology one year so over the summer so it was a a great experience and all that sort of stuff but it was kind of cool to be the only one
0: Um, sounds pretty interesting i'm surprised we don't have like more like mesopotamian stuff or something but maybe we'll talk and be able to get more into that into the libram society Nice, yeah. man. Thank you. That's a great one. So, as for myself, I was just talking to an ex Hobbs Goblin. Well, I mean, he's still a Hobbs Goblin. I shouldn't say ex, but one of my buddies, Medium, we'll call him. And he had mentioned something that the gamerhood is really only about old school gaming and the old school style of play. I am a huge proponent of all styles of gaming and play. I even used to poo poo board gaming. But over COVID time, I played a lot of board games with my man Aaron Clark and his buddies over in their over in their Discord channel on Board Game Arena. So I don't poo-poo anything. And the more games I get to play, and the more styles of games I get to play, I'm down with that. So don't think I'm only. I mean, I even got rid of the O.S.R. on the name of this show. It wasn't only because of maybe the asparagus tossed on that name, but also because I didn't want to limit myself just to OSR gaming. I would say that's probably what I know best and anything I do I'm going to compare to that but that isn't all that I am for sure and that isn't all that this show is. We've had WebDM on the show, we've had a bunch of people like JDR and DM Dave and hopefully more. I would like to branch out more so if anyone's listening and they want to be on the show let me know. I'm down with it. All right, man. I think it's time to get into the main topic. Rich Jerry 247 hit the main topic music. right so as we've been spoiling all week in the last few days and on our podcasts and on twitch channels arlen and i are beginning a new project i'll go first arlen so it's called the libram society it has spawned from my wish for a couple years now of wanting to do a book review show specifically about malazan book of the fallen by Steven Erickson and uh, another author is Ian Esselmont. Arlen has kindly stepped up to the plate and agreed to do it. And we've been discussing formats and what it might be like. So for this Hobbs & Friends, we thought it might be fun to actually give you a teaser of what the Librem Society would look like. You got anything to add to that? I,
1: don't, I think I can add a little bit just by saying we are, so the plan is every Wednesday to talk about either a chunk of one of Steven Erickson's books in The Malazin Book of The Fallen, and then who knows, we may go on to Ian Esselmont's books after. It's going to take us a long time to get through Steven Erickson's mm-hmm. books, if there are 10 of them. And then alternate that with something else, something we've sort of latched onto the idea of a short story or a novella or something that's easier to catch up with us uh, doing that, and especially to have guests on. I think we're both really interested in the idea of having other people who want to talk about, about the books, about what they liked, what they don't like, the sort of analysis of thematic stuff and how the, what it all means and all that. And gaming also, I think, is one of our ideas to talk a little bit about, you know, how would you say, like, this scene is really interesting. How would you mechanically go about structuring something to create the feel of that scene, something like that? I think is something that we're both interested
0: in, at least a little bit. Oh, I'm, I'm totally interested in that. I I love the magic system in Malazan, Book of the Fallen. And so that's definitely something I think we'll get into and try and decipher and then consider different systems or different methods of doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. So this today, we're going to do the prologue of Gardens of the Moon, which is the first Malazan, Book of the Fallen book. And then next week, we're going to do the first book. So each of Erickson's books are separated into other books. I think we're going to do two books, right? I guess maybe I'm jumping ahead. Let's talk more about what the show looks like, or do you think we should just do the show? Maybe we should just do the show. Let's just do it, and yeah, then we, if we, we it's a work it. in progress, so anybody has any thoughts or ideas about it, we'd love to hear them. Um, we'll go over our details and ways to get in touch with us, and I'll probably make a an email just for the show and whatever. I don't know if we'll do a whole... I'm mostly going to post it through my get Hobbs and friends methods until later, maybe we might decide to get its own website or whatever. We don't know, we don't even know how good it's gonna do. We're doing it for us and hopefully you guys enjoy it too. All right, let's get into it. I'm actually got my book right here.
1: I have, I've got the, the Kindle edition oh, nice. right now. I've got my physical book buried under a bunch of other books from when my parents showed up with a bunch of boxes of books and said, we got these from your room. You get to deal with them now. So um, Awesome. It's somewhere buried in there, and I'll get it out for next time. All right, perfect. But I didn't have time to grab it.
0: So, like I said, it's Gardens of the Moon by Stephen Erickson. We're going to do a reading first because every chapter, almost every new anything in Stephen Erickson's works has like a poem or an excerpt in the front of it. There's a, a poem that starts... This first book what i think is supposed to be foreshadowing or almost an edda of all of the books is that what you think about this introductory poem does that sound accurate yeah
1: no i i definitely agree okay that this is designed to get us thinking about what the whole thing is going to be about, yeah
0: and really. i have to admit the first time i read these i just pretty much i didn't always read them you know what i'm saying so Part of the poems are like they're almost like they help with re- rereading this stuff. It's almost like a replayability in a video game. That's that's what it felt like to me. And I can tell you, I've read this Gardens of the Moon book a few times now, not the entire all 10 books of Malazan Book of the Fallen, but Gardens of the Moon. And I always say, hey, I'm going to really get into these poems and read every one of them and dig deep into them and never do. Uh, I do the first 10 or 20, but after, then it's just, I want to get to the next page, and uh, and that's it. I don't want to mess with it, but I'm really interested. You want to read this one, Arlen? Sure.
1: Now these ashes have grown cold, we open the old book. These oil-stained pages recount the tales of the fallen, afraid empire, words without warmth. The hearth has ebbed. Its gleam and life's sparks are but memories against dimming eyes. What cast my mind, what hew my thoughts, as I open the book of the fallen and breathe deep the scent of history. Listen, then, to these words carried on that breath. These tales are the tales of us all, again, yet again. We are history relived, and that is all. Without end, that is all. All
0: right, man. Well done. Well done. So, uh, I think this is like a theme that you you'll see all through the. I don't want to talk too much about the books to the future, but I would definitely I definitely believe this says like this theme that you see that it's civilization built upon civilization, and history repeats itself over and over. Is that pretty much what this says to you? Oh yeah,
1: that's here Mm -hmm. in this, and it's throughout all of what Erickson has written. I think.
0: I have to say, all and honestly, this is the theme of the emergent empires as well. This is in the theme of as my setting and almost all of the games that I run. This is a very strong theme in those games. I- yeah,
1: it's a it's really a, in many ways. I think there's a a very classical element to this theme that it, it's something that we've seen in a lot of fantasy literature. I mean, even, for instance, the Howardian Sword and Sorcery is built on this concept that there are ages past and ages present, that there's just a, an almost unending stretch of fallen civilizations that have come before. And then Lord of the Rings, obviously, Lord of the Rings is really basically an elegy for all these ages that have come before that are now coming to an end with this one particular moment. And and plenty of other, those are just the two that kind of jump out to me because those to speak to the two Principal kind of directions of fantasy literature that one of them is the sort of pulpy stuff that you get with howard and one of them is the sort of the the particular flavor of something like the lord of the rings epic fantasy yes
0: yeah Uh, i would agree who who, i was just trying to think of who's the other guy that people usually consider with howard it's two initials and a name i don't know why it's not coming to me right now but no not hp lovecraft but he does the same thing but who what's what's that say it again
1: Clark Ashton yep, Smith. that's
0: what I'm thinking of. Clark Ashton Smith. Definitely a very similar yeah. idea in a lot of his stories as well as this. That's the whole Lemuria, Hyperborea, Atlantis. All those are civilizations that fell and then the adventures that they created long after their fall. So that's a pretty cool poem. Well done. Is there anything else we need to say about it? I will
1: just point out, breathe deep, the scent of history mm-hmm. seems to me like if there's one line in this poem that speaks to what the series is about there's all of this stuff here, but this kind of sense that you are not just learning about the history, but you are immersed in the midst of all of this history. That, it, And I think that kind of speaks to In some ways, it's easy to connect that to Erickson's background as an archaeologist, Mm -hmm. because that is very much what um, I think archaeology is about with my experience, that it's a a sort of immersion as opposed to distance that history can sometimes take when we read about it in books or things like that.
0: Yeah, man, that's excellent. And it also harkens back to the idea in um, Lord of the Rings that it's this old book that was written and now someone's reading it again. It I I feel like it ties it to that. I don't really feel like this feels like an epic tale. I would put most of the book. It is obviously, but it doesn't feel the same because it doesn't recount like an individual person's journey. So I don't know if it. I don't even know what this what genre Book of the Fallen fits into. I think the books just sidle among some different subgenres as they go military fantasy and epic fantasy some high fantasy some of it isn't necessarily that high sword and sorcery so it really does a lot All right, let's move on to the the opening measure or poem for this whole book it's called a uh, call to shadow and it's written by felison the emperor is dead so too his right hand now cold now severed but mark these dying shadows twinned and flowing bloody and beaten down and away from mortal sight from scepters rule dismissed from guild candelabra the light now fled from a hearth ringed in hard jewels seven years this warmth has bled the emperor is dead so too his mastered companion the rope cut clean but mark this burgeoning return faltering dark the tattered shroud embracing children in empire's dying light Hear now the dirge faint reprised before the sun's fall. This day spills red on buckled earth and in obsidian eyes, vengeance chimes seven times. All right. What do you think about this? Obviously a main theme of this book is the emperor dying. I would say.
1: Yeah. It's a kind of, shadow event that is hovering over everything that happens in the book it's never we don't get the moment on screen if I remember ever in, in kind of film terms but we do have the the aftermath of this event is all of a lot of this stuff that happens on the kind of grand scale is based on the aftermath of and not even always on the grand scale as we'll we're gonna find out about the way that sort of different individuals have a different relationship to what has happened that depending upon their position earlier or later in the the arc of the empire's rise and its decline that they have a different position and a different stronger than an opinion really it's really more like a a sort of outlook on the way that the empire has developed and the way that it, it continues to develop and, and there's a lot of, as we will go on, we should probably come back to this poem because there's a number of clever clues in here about what happens later.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's a, a good foreshadowing of maybe what's going on. All right. So yeah. do you have a favorite line from it or anything like that? I don't know.
1: Although I, I, I will say that the kind of four line section from scepter's rule dismissed from Guild candelabra the light now fled from a hearth ringed in hard jewels seven years this warmth has bled sounds to me very much like a an old english poem that tolkien revised to write it's famous in the lord of the rings because it's stayed in where now the horse and the rider where is the horn that was blowing and all of that, which is actually based on an old English poem called The Wanderer that has been translated a number of times. But it it seems to me that it's very much in that theme, this kind of the emptiness and the missing signs of a, a deceased or fallen person. who used to be really important to the speaker.
0: Mm. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. So the prologue is all of four pages, right? It's not very long. And it... Yeah, it's not very. It's boring. basically, and a lot of times, Ericson will also put almost like a, a header across that kind of tells you, like in some shows, like when you change locations, it'll tell you where and when you are, in case the scenes go back in time or forward in time or whatever, just to help you keep it keep it straight. So, one thousand one hundred and fifty fourth year of Burns' sleep, ninety sixth year of the Malazan Empire the last year of Emperor Kelenved's reign. So this prologue, what, how are we going to talk about it? I guess I don't even know how we start. I think we
1: start by saying what's kind of in the prologue, which is we have Ganos Paran of House Paran, or peran I don't know how you pronounce.
0: I don't either. How do you we'll pronounce? look it up.
1: Okay. And he, he is our viewpoint figure for this sequence, and he's going to become very important later, of course, but he's essentially the, the viewpoint figure for this sequence. We also have an unnamed figure, the bridge burner officer, who doesn't have a name, although I think there's some clues later on as to who yeah. this is. And then we have one of his soldiers, and we have the woman who, if she is not technically empress yet, will be empress very soon, Lassine. And a couple of her people. And we're really, I think, in addition to kind of these characters, we're set up in a lot of ways for what this story is going to be about. By saying that it is these characters witnessing violence and collapse. That they're watching a section of the city burn down, essentially, during riots. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we get to see Um, like how the different people feel about this particular riot. And not only are they just watching a riot, they're like in the place that used to be an important, where the capital of the empire began. This is like the capital, and they're in the hold that they used to use for that purpose. And we don't necessarily know that from this, but it's tons of fallback scenes, or this kind of like sets that stage. So do you have a particular character, like if you're going to delve a little deeper into the characters as seen just in this uh, scene or in these few pages, who would it be?
1: think for me it's Gano's Mm. brawn and particularly so I I first read these books when I was in high school a year um, ago and I not quite a little longer than that but I when I reread the prologue I it jumped out at me I remember his line the world doesn't need another wine Mm. merchant and I remember how powerful that felt to me when I was younger and thinking about what I wanted to do with my own life and all of that sort of stuff so I think I think that has remained with me in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily been able to call up without the aid of the book, but that has, has an important
0: meaning. I, I thought, and it also showed how proud of himself. Gano's was that he said it right.
1: Absolutely. He, what does he say that even a boy can make the Mm -hmm. point?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I would say, first off, I really think you get a vision of how vividly painted a lot of the scenes are going to be, but most of the time in a lot less words than it might have taken Col- Tolkien or some other people. In my opinion, it you don't necess- it's not as bogged down in detail, but it's still pretty vivid detail nonetheless. And I think maybe it is because of those constant scenes of violence and that sort of thing. I had a particular thing that I thought was really interesting. It would be... It's right here when he's talking two different things and it would probably be the unknown commander of the bridge burners would be the character that I most enjoyed or liked, especially with the dialogue that he said, you want to live free boy, live quietly. He's basically saying, if you want to be free and without the trappings of society, don't try and be anyone. Just maybe I'm reading into it, but I certainly think that's what he's saying. And I can relate to that even today. If you want to live free and be able to say whatever you want, whenever you want, don't be famous or don't do podcasts, don't do whatever, because there's always going to be someone out there trying to manipulate what you do because of your voice or your platform even. Maybe that's a little... Strong. Yeah. I don't know, but that's what it says to me. So I really like that.
1: Well, and that sets us up also really well for the kind of, I think Ericsson, and we'll talk a lot more about this as we go through the episodes, but Ericsson I think has a really good ear for the kind of gnomic statements that are common to like war reporting mm. and things like that. The idea of what do men and women who have been through violence who are not necessarily classically eloquent, but are able to say a lot in a few words. Yeah. What do they sound like? And to me, the old commander definitely has that quality.
0: Yeah, him. and he has another line uh, a in A that of characters love. Taking up the sword is the last act of desperate men. Because he's yeah. basically trying to convince Gainos to not become a soldier who, what, is what he so badly wants to do. So I was really fond of of those two lines. Like you say, commonly, I'm an old grizzled veteran myself, not a veteran of any wars or armies, but I just mean I'm old, really. And so I feel like you get tired of speaking with a lot of words about things that is advice you've given so many times. And so you've just pared it down to these little bits that most of the time the people don't get anyway. But if they do, then it'll maybe last with them for a long period of time. If you give someone 10, uh, a thousand word soliloquy, they're not going to remember that. But if you give someone like a cutting, biting 10 word, five words, eight words, they may be able to like pin a life mantra on that almost, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm most familiar with it from reading things like uh, Michael Hare's Dispatches, mm. for instance, which is a piece of war reporting on on the Vietnam War, and it's full of statements like this. That this is this, I think is, and that's I think part of what Erickson is getting at is this sense of this is how people who have been through the shit, for lack of a better term, this is often mm-hmm. how they talk, and that's part of how he's uh, drawing these characters. And there's a lot of characters that will have this kind of particular voice, the not in the sense that they have all the same voice, but they all have this kind of same quality to the way they yeah. speak.
0: Yeah, and that's super cool. I guess yeah. when I was talking about in the old school gaming era or community or movement or whatever, a lot of times they talk about giving like small details that you can fill in later. And I think Ericsson does that in just in little bits, he'll drop things and then not really explain them at all. But then you might find out about them later. Like he mentions the Corel Wars very early. And I don't even know what the Corel, obviously we, the new reader will not know what they are. But it happens constantly throughout all the books where he'll introduce characters. He'll mention things. He'll mention cultures, civilizations, eras, all these different thing battles. All over, and you don't even know. You hear about Dasim Ultor that was dead, and supposedly he betrayed a god. He doesn't really go into it. He doesn't explain it here because in the dialogue, they wouldn't. These characters aren't going to explain that. It's a little kid and some commander of some forces. The wax witches, he mentions, and I felt like that was really visceral. Wax witches? What does that even mean? That's
1: if I can read uh, just a tiny bit from it, when the second, the other bridge burner mm-hmm. comes up. And says, um, speaks to him and says, um, So the commander, he says, she's taking a new name, Lassine. Lassine? Nappan word. Means, I know what it means. Hope the emperor does too. Gano said it means throne master. And what a great way to, he's introduced us to the kind of, whatever the Nappan are. Seems like they're Mm -hmm. a culture. And created kind of three characters that have a really strong sense of what they're like, the way that we understand the relationship between these two bridge burners. We also know a lot about Ganos from interrupting and knowing what the word means. That's something pretty significant Mm -hmm. too. There's a whole lot. And and that's something that I think Erickson does really well throughout the books is he, he has these moments where he just packs so much and doesn't kind of info dump. He gives you characterization alongside information Mm, about the world in a really smooth way. Yeah. And if you
0: could take that and do that in your games as a game master, can you just consider how valuable that would be? It's pretty dang awesome. Yep. All right. I think we're running out of time pretty quickly. So do we got any last things we want to, we want to finish? I feel like we killed it all, didn't we? So next Wednesday we're reading the first two books, or we're going to talk about the first two uh, books of gardens of the moon which is about 186 pages so you got a week to read that book one is called pale and then book two is called the rujistan so check that out and the week so that would be the 16th no the 17th because today's the 10th so february 17th we're going to do the first two books of gardens of the moon and then the 24th why don't you say what we're going to do
1: yeah, so on the 24th, we have a um, collection of short stories by William Morris, which is called On Golden Wings, that we both have copies of, and hopefully you will get a copy of too, so you can read along with us. It's a shorter, it's like 160 pages, and each of the individual stories, we may not talk about all the stories in it, we may decide to focus on one story once we to be able to go in more depth. But yeah, we're gonna read some William Morris and talk about the roots of fantasy literature in its infancy in some ways, with William Morris, one of the, the first people recognized as a writer of fantasy literature that isn't in Detroit or Thomas Malone. Yeah,
0: and that's one of that's one thing I should add. The Librem Society is not gonna do any appendix and books. I feel like there's already a show called Appendix N Podcast that takes care of all that. We don't need to do that. Jeff Goad, Hoy, and their guests do a great job of that. So there's been enough about the Appendix N books and reviewing them and discussing them. So we're not doing any of those. If you guys want to know that, check those guys out. They're great. They do a wonderful job of it. If you want to see this show, what we're going to do is you're going to have the highbrow Arlen Walker talking about using his his university studies in, in literature and talking about books in a very educated way. And then you're going to have the lowbrow, the oil boss, El Jefe Petrolio, Jason Knobs doing it in just like the layman's terms of what he enjoys or why he enjoys it. And hopefully, if you can't relate to one, you can relate to the other. And at the same time, we really want to involve you guys who are going to listen to the Libram Society and be on the twitch or the YouTube and let us know what you think give us your comments give us your thoughts maybe you have a different character you're really into and want to talk about that and maybe we'll have guests during the Malazan stuff too I don't know we it's all a work in progress but we just thought it would be a really cool idea to uh, give you a teaser on Hobbs and Friends and that would be You know, that's pretty much the whole concept of the Leverum Society. I hope you guys like it. Let's move on. You don't get to do a Legacy or Epitaph because this show really wasn't about the old school Harlan. So we skipped that and just did uh, the Leverum Society session one. So let's get into the patrons. So every episode of Hobbs and Friends, I like to give a shout out to three patrons. The first one is Aaron Wade. He is one of the players in in the Green River Gamers Association. So it's very generous of him to... Get in there and donate or support the show and the effort. Aaron, I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm never going to say your nickname that I gave you when we were in grade school together. This is how long I've known Aaron Wade. We fell apart after high school, so I hadn't talked to him in 20, 30 years and then got him into this game. So he plays, and so that's cool. I'm not even going to say it now. That's for you, Aaron, buddy. Thanks for being a patron. I appreciate it. Next up, Mark Grehan, who I think came from Jay's, um, oh, shit Vanishing Tower Press stuff. He watches all the YouTube videos. He watches all of the Dungeon Musing videos. I wouldn't be surprised, Arlen, if he's one of your subscribers. No? Yeah, he yeah. may well So be. he also won in the raffle the time, on Dungeon but... Musers. He won the big prize, the Platinum Beetle and Grim stuff last year. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, thanks, Mark, for being a patron. Last up, Joe Salvador, the mastermind behind Eldritch Tales and the publishing company Raven God Games. Thanks so much for being a patron. Joe is going to be on the show and tell us all about Eldritch Tales and Call of Cthulhu hopefully soon. I've been trying to get him on for a year, and it just hasn't worked out. So that's awesome. If you want to be a patron and want to support this show, the gamerhood, the Libram Society, Random Screed, any of that, we are spending money like it is uh, water. <laughs> not, not not that bad. And if it puts you into situation, absolutely don't support the shows. But if you have it and you really enjoy the stuff that I do and we do on the gamerhood, then feel free to support. It's patreon.com forward slash OSRN Hobbs. Uh, if someone wanted to get a hold of you and pluck your high brows, Arlen, how could they do it? So the various ways I am, so I have my Anchor podcast, which is
1: Anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland is the the name. Search YouTube for Live from Pelham's Wasteland for the YouTube channel. I'm on Twitter at cows from Powis, and that'll be in the show notes, I'm sure. You
0: put it in I there. Anything you want in there, put, you know, it, in there, put it in there, brother. I couldn't find your Twitter today. I was trying to tag you when I did this oh, show, no. but I couldn't remember what it was. I kept looking up Pelham, Arlen, Walker. No go.
1: No. Yeah. And then I'm on a whole bunch of discords, including the Gamerhood Discord that Hobbs runs. And you can get a hold of me just at Arlen Walker on there and I'll respond. Awesome.
0: So I am at OSR and at OSR Hobbs on the Twitters. And then you can also get me through my private account at Hobbs. Indeed. I also have Facebook pages and groups, Hobbs and Friends Facebook, which is where I try to post all the videos or sometime multi-stream too. And then there is also a random screed Facebook if you're interested in my uh, personal journey podcast on Anchor. Then you can reach me on YouTube, Jason Hobbs, or Twitch, forward slash Hobbs665. And as Arlen mentioned, the Gamerhood Discord. Arlen, you got any last words before we wrap up this podcast? No,
1: thanks for having me, Jason. I'm super excited about the Libram Society. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: man. Me too. Remember, everybody, you've all got jobs to do, and it's better to burn out than to fade away. Hit it, TJ. It's a beautiful day in the game, oh a beautiful day for my gamers. Would you be one? Could you be
1: one? But don't despair this colony's breeding red robbers Would you be one? Could you be one If the 80 percent mortality rate works
0: for you. For a few bucks a month you can sign up and have the hearts to you. So let's make the most of another someday Brew up some coffee and play it my way. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you
1: be my gamers? Won't you be? Won't you please? Please won't you be my gamers?
0: The views, information, or opinions expressed by those interviewed during the Hobbs & Friends podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Hobbs & Friends and its staff. Hobbs & Friends is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series, available for listening on any platform of delivery. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform its listeners about the tabletop gaming industry. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising which is incorporated into or placed in association with or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the express approval and knowledge of the Hobbs & Friends podcast creator is forbidden. You may not edit modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Hobbs & Friends podcast site assume no liability for any activities in the connection with this podcast or for the use of this podcast in connection with any other website, computer, or playing device.